Welcome to the Next Issue Podcast. We're a group of friends that love talking comics and all that it entails. Uh, we're based out of Dallas, so you'll hear us talk about how these comics make up a part of our daily lives, including our local comic shop, conventions, and other forms of entertainment. Welcome. Hey now, welcome to another episode of the Next Issue Podcast. Uh, today we are doing another one of our Letter Pages episodes in which we have a guest. Uh, today we have a comic book writer slash director slash, he, well this man wears many hats. Uh, <laughs> so I'll, I'll let him introduce himself. Uh, today we have Brett Register on the show. How are you doing, Brett? Hey man, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I, there's a lot of slashes. I've tried to I've tried to go down that master of none career path. Yeah, just, so just dabble in all of it. Yeah. Hey, if you are good at a bunch of things, that's uh, that's better for you in the long run, right? I just very ADD. I can't focus on any one thing for too long. I have to keep kind of switching what I'm doing to keep everything feeling fresh. Okay. <laughs> uh, so for you know part of our audience that they may be unfamiliar with your work. You want to tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your career and projects you've been on? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've been a director mainly for most of my career. I directed a lot of reality television, directed a lot of digital content. Um, the internet probably knows me best for uh, my my undying love for Steve Zaragoza. And we met uh, when I did a show called Frankenstein MD for PBS. Uh, and he was in that. And we've sort of um, stayed friends and we have a podcast together. Uh, called the first time show, which is now on on his uh, Valleycast network, and um, beyond that, uh, I've been a writer for for many years, written for TV, film, and uh, most recently comic books. And uh, prior to my my current job, I worked uh, at Warner Brothers, and I worked directly with DC Comics, and I worked to create um, the digital series DC All Access, and then DC Kids. And so um, was really, really, really close to uh, DC Comics for the last six, seven years. Um, made a lot of great friends there. And uh, yeah, while I was there, I really caught the comic bug and uh, have sort of been chasing that rabbit a little bit the last couple of years. And so at that point, you were like, I need to make one of those at some point. Like, Yeah, you know, I mean, it's like I hadn't ever considered writing a comic, um, read comics since I was a kid, uh, big fan of the flash growing up, um, big fan of Superman, big DC comics guy. My brother read a lot of Marvel comics and just from the competitive nature of brothers, I think I was like, well, then I'm going to be a DC guy. So, um, you know, when I got to Warner brothers, I was there to, uh, work on reality shows and, and they had an opportunity with DC comics and it was kind of a, like, Hey, does anybody know anything about DC Comics? I was like, just stop talking. It's mine. Let's go. What is it? And um, was able to help them uh, kind of develop their digital content slate. But in doing so, got to got a chance to talk and and get to know some really incredible comic creators like Jeff Johns and Scott Snyder. And um, through that job, I was able to actually get my hands on their scripts and kind of read them through. And um, what really struck me as interesting was the difference in format, tone, the way it was written from Scott's to Jeff's and uh, kind of like, you know, led me to really searching out more comic scripts. And I loved how freeing the medium was and coming from a background of writing and directing and producing and kind of being the the all-in-one like kind of creative uh, tool there. I kind of saw comic books as a way to be all that at once. So when you're writing a comic, you're really, you know, you're writing the script, but you're also mm -hmm. directing um, the artist. And so I really kind of like caught that wave and really got excited about that. And then, um, started writing just like spec comics for DC, just being like, Oh, well I'm here. I might as well write DC. So, um, as opposed to writing anything useful, like, Hey, here's a, here's a one shot for Lois Lane. I wrote uh, a one shot called Barry Allen. That was about, uh, an elseworld Barry, who had no flash powers, but Iris had passed away. He was a uh, detective 
And after Iris's death, he had sort of uh, gained a, a addiction to pills and he would take uppers and downers. So he would speed up and speed and slow down. Yeah. And it just was this like very gritty real world version of Barry Allen. And there was a um, serial killer on the loose that was uh, filling his victim victims with li liquid nitrogen. And he got the, the code name from the police, Captain Cold. So that was like the, the, the issue I wrote and I kind of handed it off to a couple of people at DC and they're like, listen, this is great and all, but DC's not going to publish this. Like, like, vertic vertical office is down the hall. Right, right, right. It's <laughs> like, we're going to have to protect our characters a little bit. You know, you're not Frank Miller. We're not going to let you just write Dark Knight. And um, not learning my lesson, I also, uh, with my friend at DC, uh, on DC All Access, Michael Leffler, we wrote another issue of a Bruce Wayne that told the origin story of Batman through a um, through a very authentic Western, where okay. his uh, his family was um, you know in a, in in the South uh, during the Western time they would um, pay all their employees and they were you know it was seen as sort of a this kind of progressive family and they caught the the wrong attention of. Um, essentially what turned out to be like our Harvey Dent character. Okay. And he hired a, um, what was it? He hired kind of a like French uh, drifter that turned out to be our Joker to take, to take out the family. And like Bruce has to go off with Alfred and it's just, you know, anyway, it's a long way to say I started writing comics just kind of on spec, just for fun, just being mm -hmm. in that world. And um you know, talking to those guys and, and kind of really getting in there, they're like, you should go write something um, that isn't IP, write something that you can sell that's fun and like get something published and then come back, you know, and talk to us. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's when I sort of started thinking, okay, what is my my comic? And I wrote, um, I wrote a book called Dust. And uh, it's this kind of Grounded sci-fi is what I'm calling it. So it's a futuristic, hypothetical version of our world. It, 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 I tried to write a Star Wars level story based on theoretical science. So yeah. the story is essentially um, Jupiter ignites. And then we have two suns in our solar system, which causes the Earth to uh, be left in like eternal daylight. So the surface of the Earth becomes a desert. And the richest 1% builds this metropolis underground that they call the Echo. And um, I wrote six issues of that and um actually uh partnered with scout comics to publish that so that was i want to say a year and a half two years ago and that's still in the art phase so we're almost to a point where we're okay. going to start um talking about soliciting and releasing that it has been announced but uh that was sort of my first book and and really excited for that to come out ironically before that came out um on the podcast me and steve who have always kind of joked and talked about doing a comic or, you know, some other series following Frankenstein, we came up with this idea for, for creeper. And basically if you haven't listened to the podcast, we, we watch through um, old TV shows and we try to build the, the dynamic of three people. One person watched the show, loved it. One person watched the show, didn't like it. One person hadn't seen the show. So we started with lost and I hadn't seen the show. You've got to start yeah. slow, right? What's that? You got to start slow, right? Right, 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 right. <laughs> no problem. Just, we're just going to dive in on Lost. And um, was a kind of crazy, unique experience recording? Because the plan for the podcast was just to do Lost and uh, and move on. We've you know subsequently done several other series. Right now we're watching through The Leftovers. But if you listen to the show, it's about 50% about the actual show we're reviewing yeah. at best. And the rest of it's just us kind of, um, you know, talking and bullshitting around for for two hours uh and part of that we started talking about i don't remember how we got there but we started talking about tales from the crypt um because yeah. as as lost was finishing up we were talking about what should we do next and i love tales from the crypt it's one of my favorite shows i think that um i, I love the way that the storytelling is so kind of like rooted in both horror and also has like morality yeah. um so I was like, we should watch Tales from the Crypt. And Steve kept joking like that we weren't ever going to do Tales from the Crypt. But it led to this conversation about the Crypt Keeper and about what, how the Crypt Keeper became the Crypt Keeper. And I kept saying, well, how did he get all those stories? He's a, he's a storyteller. Where did he get his stories? So then we came up with this character, 
of the Crypt Keeper as a guy who's a, a, a writer for a local newspaper that's on the homicide beat. And he's a little odd and he sort of follows all of these kind of grisly murders, but he has this kind of psychological element of there's this darkness that surrounded him. Death has followed him his whole life and it sort of leads him to the answers, you know, where the police can't quite solve the murder. He's going to go above and beyond and potentially uh, takes the less than legal path to, to solve these, these murders and kind of collect these stories. And so, um, you know, that was how, you know, Creeper was born. And basically, I don't know if you, you want to dive all the way into the story of the construction of Creeper. Oh, we, we, we can but, dive as deep as you want. But I, I mean, I definitely, I remember listening to the episode and I try to go yeah. back and figure out which one it was, but there's so many of, of the last season. Um, I know Steve is in the process of finding it right now. Okay. Because, um, so Creeper issue one, and we'll sort of, jump forward and jump back very lost esque uh, storytelling is my favorite but, um, type of storytelling. Yeah. <laughs> so creeper episode one is, or issue one is, is out now. And it, yeah. it ended up being the first comic book that was ever put that I ever had published. And um, Steve is, Steve has gotten real excited about it over the last few weeks. And we're definitely talking about kind of what's next for it. Cause it was, it was um, something of an experiment, which we can get into a little bit later, but uh, just to kind of, finish the the thread so um i've been working with mattel and uh you know following creeper i uh pitched mattel on doing um a comic book to support uh one of their newest brands called cave club and so in next month the first graphic novel that i wrote for cave club will will come out and then in october the second one will so it's um yeah comics has like it started kind of as this aspirational thing at dc i haven't got to write for dc yet but uh uh now creepers out um the two cave club books will be out in the next couple months and then dust will probably start um coming out uh early next year so it's been this kind of like weird wild ride but um yeah as a, as a kid who grew up reading comics to have uh you know just got the, the cave club book to have that physical book in my hands okay. it's a very strange and kind of like feeling i haven't ever had before where it's really like i don't know i like want to like hug it it's weird to have something so tactile and and know that it's mine after all these years of of reading other people's work dude that's yeah that that's super amazing that within the span of you know whatever maybe like a year or so you'll have a bunch of the work coming out at the same time which i don't know if you planned it this way or if it just kind of happened but oh it just happened i mean creeper we did it through the Comicsology submit program and um, it was supposed to come out October of last year. And I, I truly don't know what happened. I ended up having to email them and be like, Hey, is this ever coming out? And then they yeah. realized they had made a mistake. And so it ended up coming out March of this year. Okay. Um, Dust was supposed to be out last year. And um, with comic books, it's very, it's, it's, you know, you have to write it, which is one thing, but then you're working with multiple artists, oh, yeah. pencils, inks, colors, and and each of them is an artist, and they're they're creating art, and so uh, there is a certain um, inefficiency to deadlines when you're when you're talking about like someone who is truly creating something from nothing. I'm not an artist, so every time a page comes in, it is like some sort of magic has happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just am completely overwhelmed and like, I get so excited when something I wrote, you know, comes to life in that way and watching an artist interpret those words is like, I don't know. It's so hard for me because especially with the Mattel project, it's like, you know, well, we have to be very specific and, you know, we're promoting a product and that, and there's, there should be a lot of notes, but as soon as I get it, I'm just so happy to see it that I'm like, it's perfect. Put it out um it's ready yeah i mean for years of like editing and directing and doing all of that i feel myself becoming like less and less discerning uh in this medium just because i think it's i i I understand all the um all the pieces that are all the dominoes that have to fall to make it exist and it's it's just uh it's a really collaborative and like really interesting and complicated uh effort and i i really respect how complicated it is so i'm like i don't want to you know complicated I mean, any further yeah there, there's no. there's just so many moving parts to the machine that 
I mean, you know, comics are delayed all the time. You know, it, yep. it's it's a thing that we've heard since the nineties. Jim Lee was being delayed on comics, like in you know, so every time uh, because there's so many parts. But now with the with we have the internet and things like that, it makes it so you can reach out to so many more creators uh, and work with so many different people from all over the place. You know, we have a lot of artists that are coming from from Europe and South America that are being published by DC and Marvel and stuff like that. So I think just the fact that comics can bring people together like that and connect and, and because it's so collaborative, like, you know, you put some more downs on a page. Now, Mike, who's the artist on Creeper, uh, yeah. he has to bring that to life, try to put your vision into it. So I don't, I don't know how that, as far as that goes, like when you saw the pages of the art, is that kind of what you had in mind? Is there any, were there any kind of notes? I don't know what the script kind of looked like. I don't know how much scripting you do. Like I've heard. People... Yeah. I mean, the, I, I do. Um, it, it, it is like my version of a comic script. And, uh, you know, I've written for so many years in final draft that I ended up feeling, I was only comfortable really writing in final draft. Okay. So I, I ended up building a, um, a template, in final draft for comic scripting um, that had kind of quick keys and everything. So it's a little different, but I, writing in final draft definitely makes me feel like I'm writing a, a, a script for a, okay. a TV show. Um, but I try to, uh, I try to do my best to get the intent of the panel and the intent of the emotion of the character across and then let the artist, um, have a, a certain level of freedom in how to construct uh, the actual paneling. And, um, you know, I put panels in there, but I always, you know, speak in, in the three books that I've done, I, I like to really collaborate with the artists and tell them like, if you need more panels, use more panels. If you need right. less panels, take less panels. Um, you know, I'm not a stickler like that. Uh, you know, the, the Scott and Jeff comparison, Jeff is very fluid and very like referential and very, um, he really tells a story and Scott is very, very specific and very, very like meticulous in his descriptions. But when he worked with, um, uh, Greg Capullo. Okay. Yeah. Greg is such a visual guy and he's been doing it for so long that he would tell Scott, like, you don't need to write all these <laughs> panels. Tell me what's supposed to happen on the page and write the dialogue. And that's what Scott ended up doing. So when um, the Scott the Scott script that I read first was for Zero Year okay. when he was doing that yeah. Batman, and it was just that it was these long kind of like uh, long form pages of like description of like this is what needs to happen on this page, and then here's what the characters are going to say for the letterer, and then Greg would interpret that. And um, I always loved that, but I'm not I'm too much of a control, like I need I need control too much to go that far. Right. But I tried to find like a, a kind of happy medium in there. I mean, like Grant Morrison is notorious for writing more than a page for a single panel. Um, and he'll, do, he'll do he'll do thumbnails and stuff, and like he'll do a little. I mean, because he also he also draws. So I know right. been, you know whenever he sends a script, it'll have all his words and uh, and some of the thumbnails that he may want the, uh, you know to look like. Mm -hmm. Maybe depending on what book it is, maybe some LSD. Uh, you know, I don't yeah, know. Fair enough. Uh, I can't confirm, but, uh, you know, right. I hope right. when I read his stuff, I hope there's something else that he's <laughs> something like LSD that's making him write yeah. the, that because I'm like, well, I can't write that. So I like the idea that he, you know, there's something I'm not doing, uh, and not, and not a lack of talent. Right. Like how but, do you get uh, to that place where those ideas right. and those concepts kind of come out? Right. Oh, I know. And then like, uh, yeah, for sure. And paneling is so interesting, or thumbnailing is so interesting because I found myself, I had to, for the Barry Allen script um, and for Dust for the first few issues, yeah. I had to get on a whiteboard and panel out the page so that in my own head, I could sort of see the succession and make sure it made sense. And it, um, with Dust, I told my artist, I was like, hey, I actually thumbnailed out all And he's like, don't ever show me that. <laughs> I don't ever want to see your That's thumbnails. That's funny. Oh, well, okay. As a director, you're also a visual person, right? I would think. Yeah, um, for sure. And that's that's a lot. It's a big part of it. But to me, 
I tried to do all my directing on the page. I tried to write in, okay. you know, it's actually like really freeing to go, you know, when you're directing a, a, a TV show, you have to go tell the actor what you want. You have to get the camera in the position to give the actor the best opportunity to give what you need from that scene. In the script of a comic book, you can just say what you want. You can just say what what this character needs to convey to the audience. Mm-hmm. And I've found that to be a much more successful way of writing with an artist than um, really trying to pour down into detail of this and that. I've been trying to just focus on panel to panel. What do I want the reader to take away from this panel? And then, and it's actually helped me uh, over my, you know, succession of writing. It's helped me understand whether or not I need a panel or not. Um, You know, when you're kind of honest to yourself about when someone finishes this panel, I need them to know this about the story. I need them to feel this. It's like, then do you need a follow-up panel or has the emotion changed? Um, if not, then, you know, keep going with the dialogue so that, you know, the process, it's been an evolution for me. And it's, it's definitely an interesting difference between screenwriting and comic book writing. And I've been writing on, a, um, on an animated, uh, kids show the last few months, and I've gone back to kind of the TV writing and it's, it's very, it's, it's an interesting, uh, balance to, to kind of bounce back and forth between those two um two mediums for sure and gotta flip a switch it's you know honestly it's like comic book writing is harder and i i always viewed it as like i want to do it because that'll be easier and ping-ponging back and forth i'm like oh it's much easier to write a tv episode and then pass it to somebody and go yeah figure it out (laughs) comic book it's like you have to be a lot more responsible for what you're communicating and um so to that end uh, the Creeper script is very, um, you know, just to kind of circle back to that discussion, me and Steve on the podcast talked through the storyline and I, I just kind of left that. I think after the podcast was over, I started talking. I'm like, I'm sure if I if we wrote a script, like we could find someone to, to draw it. Yeah. You know, like you have a fan base. Someone will show up and be like, I'll, I'll draw this thing. And he's like, well, when are we going to write it? And I, I don't know how it happened because it hasn't happened like this before in my life but i immediately had this like i know what the first issue is okay i at least know what i need to accomplish and so i went home that night and sat at my kitchen table and just hammered out you know the 22 pages of the script and hadn't really figured out the whole story at that point but had kind of you know had a draft and sent it to steve that night and i remember it was such a funny thing because i was like Hey, here it is. Okay, now you need to take the next step. So then we started like reaching out and trying to find um, people to draw it. And it, it didn't really come together the way we thought. There wasn't people just knocking down our door to draw our comic. Um, and so it kind of went into what I call the next phase, which is when I went back and, and I worked with my brother, who I credited on this the book as editor, because he really did kind of come in and he helped me. Like He had no dog in the fight. He just... Um, He's a really good kind of like grammar style uh, editor. And yeah. um, he uh, he grabbed it and he kind of like asked me questions that I didn't know the answers to. So I finished those answers. But the reason I'm saying all this is when I scripted it that second time, I was like, I don't know who's going to draw this. And to that end, I want to make sure that it's bulletproof, that I can hand it to an artist I've never met, don't know, that doesn't know me, that can execute it. So I really started to lean into kind of like, the the tone and the feeling and kind of the like macabre and when it was violent i wanted to make sure this was this felt violent yeah and that it was you know when it was supposed to be scary that it felt scary and that you know those kind of things and so well let me tell you that that when it's violent it's really violent yeah (laughs) i tell you if if you haven't read it check it out but when the axe it yeah, we're going to go a little bit into spoilers for issue one because I think it's the hook that we really... It's This is part one of three. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I have I have a few pages that I kind of wanted to discuss as the highlights. But when I read it, the first 10 pages, I think, like, that could be its own story and I would have been sad. Like, that's a story and I'm satisfied with. Like, I was like, okay, if the comic ended here... <laughs> Cool. Like, That's this awesome. Was, this was a rad ten pages of comic book, 
but it was just really the the beginning of the story right yeah i wanted to when i say i knew what it was i kind of had that scene in my head and i kind of had that i was like this is what it could be this is what could be the kind of you know the the villain or whatever which hasn't been revealed but i was like i know what this format needs to be and i basically was like it needs to be law and order it needs to be yeah you know the beginning of every story needs to start with a murder and then the the story is solving the murder and i was like i think that would really work for like a tales from the crypt style um narrative and so that's sort of what i used and that's what you know over the course of the three issue arc um the plan is to have is for us to, to do six issues which will tell two stories and the end of the till death story will directly dovetail into the start of the next story um but my thought was i just wanted to look at it as three acts so each issue will be an act of a story right. and so the first one will sort of set up the murder set up the investigation and kind of give us the first um, taste of a twist. And then the second one will really like unpack that mystery. And then the third issue will, will essentially wrap it up and solve the, the murder. Um, it's sort of the format we're looking at. So right now, and I was just talking to Steve about this. So we're like, we're knee deep in trying to figure it out. I'm probably going to end up scripting. So we both came up with the story, but yep. I'll script the first three and then he'll script the back three. And then we'll put that out as like, a volume okay um at some point so we're, we're kind of figuring that out right now and um but uh but to get back to the the kind of violence of it when that page came through um from mike i i was like i have no doubts i have no notes like just go and draw the whole book so we started with the first five pages um and uh yeah, he just absolutely knocked that those first five pages out of the park. So I was like, whatever you want to do, um, however you want to interpret this script. And, and the colors of it are so like they just go with the, like it. I don't know if Mike and Tyler have worked. Tyler always the colorist. I don't know if they worked together before. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, they just it all kind of fits together, and it's kind of a one-two punch. But it's a delayed second mm -hmm. punch because you know you get the the big moment with the axe. And then you get two pages that are not super violent. And then, you know, you get the, the, the husband with the gun and you go to the big kind of like splash page with the creeper name on it. Yeah. And I was like, this is so cool. Like, I don't know what your <laughs> expression was when you saw those pages come from Mike. I mean, I, I died. I was in, um, I was actually in New York for, uh, with DC for New York Comic Con. And I remember we were saying, uh, at a hotel over by um, Times Square, and uh, what or not Times Square. Uh, was that 2017? Pro it would have been not this past year, but the year before. Okay, and so only, only reason I ask, okay, only reason I ask is because I was in there in 2016, and I was like, if I had a meet, if I had a chance to meet you over there at the DC booth and didn't, I was gonna kick myself in the ass. Dude, I've been to every New York toy. I've been to every New York Comic Con since I went to. I want to say six in a row. Okay. I missed wow. this past one, and then before that, I was I went six in a row because we launched DCL Access at New York Comic Con. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Oh, that, yeah, so cool. that was that was our first episode, and uh, but um, yeah, I was in the hotel bar waiting for our team was coming down. We were all going to go to dinner. I was in the hotel bar and I got the pages on my phone and I was like, our, our producer, this, this girl, Christina came down and looked at me and she's like, is everything okay? And yeah. I was just turned my phone around and showed her the ax picture. And she's like, what is that? And I was like, that's my comic. And I, she said, it looked like, she's like, it could have been either the greatest thing in the world or the worst thing in the world. <laughs> she's like, I couldn't yeah. tell. And I was just completely like, I was completely dumbfounded because at that point, um, with the exception of uh, when I first did Dust, I hired an artist to do five mm -hmm. sample pages, and um, it was it was someone I knew, and it was very controlled, and I kind of knew what I was going to get. This was a like shot in the dark a little bit, and uh, it, it just I couldn't believe it. I truly couldn't. And right. uh, I had um, when I 
just to kind of finish that close the loop of the story of how it, it happened i um i started to look online and kind of reach out to artists and i looked on like uh uh you know art station and a few other places and found um several artists and i think i ended up reaching out to mike through fiverr originally i really liked some of the posts he had, had. but i i enlisted i think five different artists to do um the first page okay as like a test and um it was between mike and one other guy and i actually had tyler i'd seen something he had done but i really liked his color and so i reached out to him just for color okay and i had him color not mike's but the uh, it was between mike and one other guy i had him color the other guys and when i saw the other guys in color it was really really great and probably would have been you know, totally acceptable, but it was very, very clean. It was very, very comic booky. And mm-hmm. it just felt like Mike had this weird, like grit that I felt like it needed. And so then I had Tyler do Mike's and when Tyler got Mike's pages, so I had him do, I think the first three, um, at that point I had chosen Mike and, and, and listed Mike for, I think five pages. And when Tyler got Mike's pages, he, he came back to me and was like, Hey, I want to go a little more stylized with the color because it feels like the artist. And I was like, please, yeah. yes, go. And so it was really those two guys that that ended up kind of like, even though they never spoke, they were right. like collaborating. So, you know, Mike's drawing kind of led Tyler to be like, I want to be more, I want to like add purple and do all these kind of crazy colors. Yeah, yeah. And it, it really like, you know, it's not the most polished comic book ever, but it's got like a little bite to it. And I think it's appropriate for the story. It's there's really, the... really happy with it. Yeah, there's something about the inks that, I am on the page that it really sets the mood of, of the, the comic. Like it tells you like, this is not, this isn't a superhero comic. This is not a happy story either. Like right. you're, you're in for a ride. Yeah. Um, and then another one of my, and now we can go into the actual, like, so those 10 pages, like they just kick off and we could probably keep talking about them for, for a couple hours. Yeah. But, oh, I mean, for sure. I, I laugh cause I, um, one of our really close friends, uh, Sean Kittleson, wrote uh, Mortal Kombat X. He wrote the comic book, and then he wrote the um, yeah the, the, the game, yeah. and he wrote the Injustice game. I had him read Creeper, um, the script, just to be like. I also had him read Dust. I sent him all my stuff. I, he's such a wonderful dude and um, really gracious with his time. And uh, he has a new. Um, He's a new book out on Skybound that's really cool. But uh, he read Creeper and he got back to me and he goes, he goes, I mean, it's good, but it's, he's like, you don't really like, he's like, it's not like, you don't get a good feeling at the end of it. And I was like, that, that's perfect. And he goes, you don't really like, like the main character. I was like, yeah, he's, he's not a great guy. And he goes, oh, that's what you're going for? I was like, uh-huh. He goes, oh, then you totally accomplished that thing. But uh, yeah, it is, it's not, you know, it's not a, I, I hope it's a fun read, but I don't. I don't want people to walk away like rainbows and and sunshine. It, it is a kind of a dark macabre tale, and I think that the three issue arc, as I have it planned out, is very like. I, I hope that it will be satisfying with that right. in mind from the first issue. Yeah, that by the end you'll feel like you went through something, and in the end you're like, good. I feel like I have some catharsis. Well, I mean, and and you know, even though the comic is a lot darker than maybe some of the other stuff people may be used to reading like there's still some humor in it like another one of my favorite pages is when he's like i've been called many things and you have like four different panels yeah. of people just calling them names uh and yeah you don't like the main character and that's kind of unusual because like the one of the hooks of people getting, getting people to read is like you have to connect right but i think yeah. the the story and the way he approaches things like he knows he's not a good guy uh, like right. the, it's it's interesting. It's different, and, and yeah, just it, I really enjoyed that that panel with the, just lady with the with the babies and you know, like yeah, and even the nun, uh, like you're a monster. Yeah, right? I was just like, what are the most what are the most what's the most pure person right that can hate this guy? And uh, it is funny because the the beginning of issue two, um, the first line. Cause I kind of, I kind of like scribbled down. I say scribbled, but I'm like typing. Mm-hmm. Um, I type scribbled down. The first line would be him in his narration, just saying, I'm not a bad guy. 
but then he kind of talks through his life. You get to know him a little more mm-hmm. and kind of like how he became who he is. And it is like, you know, I think he has this belief that he's not necessarily a good guy or a bad guy, but his, his life has made him who he is. And he's, he's authentic to who he is. And, uh, you know, other people see that as a bad guy, but he's, he's serving a purpose and this is the way he sees it. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a really fun, weird character to write (laughs) and, uh, very different from other stuff I've written. How did you, how did you come up with the name? Because there's, there's some meaning behind it in, you know, like the, the double N Don's with the double N. Yeah. So I looked up, um, I wanted it to mean something. This was, uh, this sounds crazy even me saying it because I really don't work this way. But that night sitting at the table, as I was writing it, I was like, oh, he needs a name. And I looked up like, um, like names of demons and like gods of death and tried to find something. Mm-hmm. And somewhere Don came up and I was like, that's perfect because that's like someone would name their kid Don. Yeah, yeah. And then um, I just love the idea that there was a, a misprint on his birth certificate. So it had the two ends, which is the actual spelling of that, right. um, of, of the uh, like sort of evil creature. Right. And uh, that really like helped line it up a little bit. But this book, I mean, like I'm a pretty um, kind of like disciplined world builder. And this book is the opposite. It's sort of like every part of it has been. And I think it's because we were watching Lost at the time, but I was very like, I was like, I'm going to continue. I'm just going to write myself into corners and then figure out ways to, to work my, my way right. out. I'm not going to figure out where we're going, um, which I've always kind of hated from storytelling. But in this particular instance, it really feels like, you know, I wrote the first issue, not really knowing what was going on with the house, not really knowing what was going on with this murder. I had kind of an idea, but yeah. Um, since then my brain couldn't stop like solving the puzzle. And I was, I kind of took that to mean that it might've worked. Like the first issue works because I couldn't stop thinking about, it. I was like, okay, I have to solve this. I can't just leave it. I can't put something out in the world, not knowing, you know, yeah. where it's going. And so I called Steve and we like, after I, I was like, okay, here's where it's going. And he's like, where's what's going. I'm like creeper. <laughs> and he, this was like months after he got the script. I was doing the art and stuff. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah, what's going on? I was like, this is what I'm thinking. And he's like, that's great. I love that. So I was like, good. That's what it is. Um, so there is moving forward when we finally get around to doing two and three, there's there's a goal. And there's like a there's a, a, a uh, an endpoint that we're working to. Um, so that's as a reader, I would want to know that. <laughs> So I just want to put that out there in the well, world. I'm in a precarious position now because I'm at a point where I'm like, well, I definitely want to know what happens next, but I'm going to have to wait. So, Yeah, I mean, I, I will say when the first issue came out, I hit up Mike and it was just like, here's the first issue. It's out on Comixology. And he was so excited. And the first thing he asked was like, okay, when are we doing two? And I'm like, yeah, we got to do that. So we're kind of figuring out right now. I think I, think I said to you um, after it came out, it's like, I don't, we, we did this whole thing was kind of an experiment mm-hmm. and I'm like, can I do this? Can we get somebody to draw it? Can we get it up on comicsology? Does it make any sense, you know, financially, et cetera. Right. And, um, me and Steve are definitely to the point where we're like, yeah, we should do more. And if we're going to do more, I want to make sure that, you know, I don't want everybody to wait a year between issues. So we want to make sure and get it in a place where we can sort of just start dropping them and putting them out. So, we are, um, you know, through quarantine, talking a lot about it and sort of talking a lot about um, next steps there. And and uh, yeah, I, I, I hope to have some updates very soon. Well, that's great. That's great to hear. Um, like I said, I, I definitely enjoyed it a lot. I think I think that same night that I read it, I put something on Instagram and then, you know, you responded and yeah. it kind of led to doing all this. So I appreciate you responding to that. Uh, the, the last thing I'll touch on Creeper and my last favorite thing is when he's looking through people that um, this couple screwed out of their wedding money. Uh, when right. he goes to talk to the DJ and the DJ's still like, DJ's going, he's doing DJing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, this is so I, It's so different because of the colors of the, in the page. 
Like, it's such a different panel from everything else that's going on. Dude, that's all Tyler. He brought that He brought that panel to life. I, like, as far as color goes, that is his, like, his Everest in that book. I was, when I got that back, I was like, he made that work. Yeah. Um, because otherwise it would, it, it's like a very dark and sort of dour book. And then all of a sudden there's this one panel. Like, if you're just flipping through the book, it's bright color, colorful neon kind of moment. But uh, that's totally, I, when I was in college, I worked in a bar. Um, I was a bar back and the bartender for, for four years through college. And we had a DJ that never stopped DJing. <laughs> and so that was just my like kind of love note to him. It's like, you would go talk to him, but he never stopped DJing. So if you needed something, you were talking to him, you'd always get like one ear while he's prepping the next, uh, you know, the next album. So that was kind of my love note to him and sort of that moment in my life. I just thought that would be funny and be a place that they would definitely have gone to some club. Yeah. Well, in, in um, my in my head canon, his name is now DJ Never Stop. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> DJ Never Stop. Dude, that's so cool. He, um, he posts a lot of inspirational stuff on Instagram. For sure. Uh, yeah, he's getting me through the quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. Uh, so... Is there anything you're currently reading as far as comic books? I know we haven't had any new comic books in a little bit, uh, but is there anything you're kind of reading right now that just things that you're really enjoying? Yeah, I mean, I spent when I worked at DC, we um, the team split up all the books. So we would have like a fantasy football style draft of who was reading what book. And every year we would do a new draft. So you, you had keepers and I always had um, Superman, Flash and Green Lantern. And uh, so I read those books for, you know, six years straight. And then there was a bunch of others that sort of mm-hmm. came and went. Um, you know, the Omega Men was a huge one for oh. me. Uh, I just think that's an absolutely incredible start to finish book. And, it it kind of uh, came Tom, out of nowhere. Like, I don't think. I mean, it got canceled and the fans, the fans yeah. brought it back. And, uh, you know, obviously there was a lot of respect for Tom following mm-hmm. that as he got to do Batman and, uh you know, Miracle Man is uh, is is uh, wait, Miracle Man? Yeah, yeah, Miracle Man. Yeah, Miracle Man. Um, I know you. I didn't you like know. that as much as Omega Man, but yeah, uh, I love Tom, and we got to do a lot of stuff with Tom when I was there. And uh, his his other book, Sheriff of Baghdad, is uh, Sheriff of Babylon. Sheriff of Babylon. Yeah, dude, nothing sounds right right now. Quarantine has me brain dead. But um, yeah. So I was gonna say I read DC like month to month followed every storyline for so long that when I finally left uh, the the job, I had such a like, okay, I'm not going to read DC for a little while and um, got really deep into a lot of uh, image and uh, was really, really, really crazy about what Mark Millar is doing right now um, with the order and power oh, yeah. and all of that. Um, but I, I once we went into quarantine and I started writing uh, Cave Club, which is more young reader focused. I was like, okay, fine. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna dig in back on DC, and I sort of read through all of the Zoom and Ink stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, read my kid, Dear Justice League, uh, read Mira, um, and uh, most recently I read Gotham High that just came out, and just a lot of fun, like super simple, like breezy books uh just a real joy to read um but on the kind of like more adult side um i've been leaning into kind of like uh i read sort of almost every james bond comic that exists from dynamite um you know i read uh is it warren ellis did that first run warren ellis did a yeah he did a lot of it i think his stuff uh greg pox is probably yeah, the stuff I dig the yep. most, but it's there is a lot out there. Just kind of like took that as my like quarantine um, to do list. Read a lot of lot a lot of James Bond, and then um, had a weird moment with uh, you know thinking about Creeper, getting in Creeper headspace, and I started going back to like my OG like R.L. Stein Fear Street books, and I found out about. Um, a thing that it was totally when I was growing up, but wasn't aware of 
is Point Horror, which Scholastic and I don't know if you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, Scholastic put out this um, initiative called Point Horror, which is basically saying like, you know, R.L. Stein and like Carol Ellis and a few other YA horror writers, like let's all write under this Point Horror um, imprint. It's kind of got all got kind of the same vibe. It all feels like early, early R.L. Stein. And there's just tons of them. So I got like really lost in reading these old point horror books. I've actually, there's one right here, my secret admirer. They're like 180 pages. So they're like a single sitting. So I've been reading more of that than comics, but um, comics are, you know, they're about to start coming back out. I think they're about to start streaming again. So I'm getting kind of geared up to kind of probably dive back into DC and kind of, do a do a pretty aggressive binge catch up on on where everybody's at and uh you know that's that's what i'm staring on the barrel of right now and uh pretty excited about that cool cool yeah i definitely today i called my shop and i asked like hey you are we back up i haven't seen you post anything we we back up and running he's like hell yeah come by i got comments yeah so i'm very excited um it's 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 definitely difficult to do a comics podcast when there's no comics coming out I mean, yeah, you got to get creative. It's yeah. like uh, you got to do lists and like, what's your favorite comic ever? Um, Luckily for us, we had some news about the Snyder Cut and, uh, and Ruby Rose. Like, so we're like, all right, we're covered. Listen, I'll say, you know, I was at DC. I I, I started working for DC. Man of Steel had just come out. Uh, Zach was working on um, Batman v Superman, mm-hmm. and he had done the the seventy fifth. Was it sixtieth or seventy fifth Superman special? That animated special. It's uh, seventy five. Yeah. Okay, so I was there for all that. I am shocked that the center cut is coming out. Knowing what I know, being behind the scenes, that that was like I was floored by that, and um, super excited to see it. Yeah, me too. After uh, so for for the first time podcast that, that you host with Steve mm-hmm. and now Alana. Um, you guys recently did the ultimate cut of Watchmen. Hell which, yeah! Which I watched twice. Oof. Um, so I watched the movie. Not that it's bad. The oof isn't because it's bad. It's because right. it's long. It's, yeah, it's a lot. So the first time I watched it is because I wasn't sure if it was a commentary that you guys were talking through the film like it is. So it's really, mm-hmm. it really is a commentary which you can just listen to along with the film. Um, but I didn't know that, so I watched the movie. I watched Zach. Oh, you I watched watch it ahead of time. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's fine. Listen, I made a weekend out of it. I watched uh, Fair that. I watched the Dawn of the Dead remake. Oh, great! And then I watched uh, Batman v Superman. So it was a Snyder weekend. Yeah. Um, and then when I finally started listening to the episode, I was like, okay, well, I'm just gonna play the movie right along with it. But it was really focused on. That's where I found out about the comic because you brought it up that it was finally out. Yeah. Um, so I was like, yeah, okay, yeah. well, let me let me go get it. But that was definitely a, 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 if you like Watchmen and you like people being really funny, uh, I think by hour two or three, you guys were super exhausted. Or I just I honestly couldn't believe Owen made it through the whole four hours. Well, he he outlasted his phone. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, he did. I forgot about that. But um, to that end, uh. Don't think I haven't been really leaning on Steve that when we finish leftovers, we got to do the Snyder cut. Oh, we got to sure. bring Chris oh. back. We got to, I was like, it's the only way to finish this. Yeah. Um, it'll, it'll be a full circle back to, back to what, you know, and, and, and after watching the HBO Watchmen, going back to the movie, like it was just the natural progression to see like, all right, how do these two things compare? Um, yeah, I'm a little sad. I'm I I'm, I was sad I was gone from DC for the HBO Watchmen because I would love to hear I would love to hear like the behind the scenes mm-hmm. uh, opinions because you know um, Jeff has been doing Doomsday Clock. Yeah, and uh, you know for that to come out and it, it's sort of like two kind of interpretations of what could have happened after Watchmen. Um, it's really interesting, and it's like I would love for. I'd love for Lindelof and Jeff to sit down and discuss their two takes. I think that would be pretty amazing. I think uh, it, it was, I know it wasn't planned this way, but the fact that both Doomsday Clock and HBO's Watchmen, uh, which are two different sequels to the Watchmen book, ended in the same, I think within the same week or two week period. Mm-hmm. 
Like it was wild. Like if you're a Watchmen fan, like it was your like you were you know it was Christmas for you for real. Um, yeah, I mean, for sure, it's it was Christmas. It was like all of a sudden you have more than you could possibly kind of digest all at once. I mean, they're both they're both super dense. They're both yeah. very heady and like the way Jeff kind of looped it into the DC continuity mm-hmm. is just bananas and uh super fun and it it definitely feels like um it feels like taking all your toys out at once and kind of (laughs) slamming them together a little bit which is is really rad and kind of like what i think comics are here for in a way and and it Um, gave me it gave me two two characters that i want to follow up on um i think with mime and marionette which are original characters i think they're based on some of the old charleston characters as well but they're original characters for doomsday clock like I want to see more of them because they were really interesting in the in the book. Yeah, I mean, I like I'm I'm out of the trust circle now, but I'll hit up my friends and be like, "So what's going on with Three Jokers now? Oh Does yeah, that tie into Doomsday Clock? What are we doing?" Oh. And uh, every, I get the, I get the same like, "Oh, you'll see." Yeah, like, right. You know, stay keep your eyes keep your eyes open. Yeah. And I'm like, oh man, that's not what I want to hear. That's cool. I want facts. Um, all right. Well, I think we've uh, we've discussed before we I let you go because I know I'm sure you got other things to do. Um, this I'll, is it, man. It's quarantine. Oh, okay. Cool. All right. I'm going from here to over there. Well, this is instead of one episode, this is now a mini series on Brett Register. Um, I want to touch on a project. Well, you did. A, I was I was diving through your IMDb as as a good uh, you know interviewer does, right? Right before yeah, fair enough. happens. I appreciate that. Uh, so real quick. I was a big fan of uh, Thrashtopia. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, That's awesome, really? Yeah, yeah. So I, I listened to Ben Meckler's Mortal Podcast. Mm-hmm. And then he brought it. I mean, he said that he wrote, he wrote, he wrote Thrashtopia. And I that was is like, a, a genius. Oh, Ben Meckler, like, just learn his name. He's going to do something that's going to blow everybody's mind. He's going to be, yeah. he's not going to answer my phone calls anymore. He's, he just wrote on um, Kipo on Netflix, mm-hmm. which is incredible. Yeah. Uh, that dude is, yeah, that dude is brilliant. Yeah, we did a we did a watch along for Mortal Kombat Annihilation uh, a couple of weeks ago on Zoom. And Very cool. It, it, the movie may not hold up as well, but it's fun to, it, it's nice to watch a movie with other people there, kind of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hear you. Um, and then, you know, Whitney Moore's on Thrashtopia, which is the most yeah. metal person you could probably get to be in that show. Damn uh, right. So that was really enjoyable. So I saw that, you know, you directed, I believe, two episodes of that. So I directed all of Adulting in the Apocalypse. Okay. The Inficials. Um, yeah, yeah. And then I was supposed to direct the whole show, and the scheduling shifted, and I had to go back to D.C., so I ended up directing the last two uh, oh, okay. full shows. But I directed all of the adulting in the apocalypse, and, okay, and that okay. sort of sub series was where me and Ben really like. He wrote all these like funny, fun uh, bits, and I started directing them. I was like, "Hey, what if this gets sad at the end?" And he was like, "I mean, he's like, it's up to you." I was like, "What if it just is, instead of it being funny, it's just yeah. tragic?" I mean, it is the apocalypse, right? So, right. So we had a we had an absolute blast. I mean, we shot that. We shot all of adulting in the apocalypse in the um the back parking lot of nerdist so it just was this insane it was super hot it was crazy like few days and we shot all that that's i like i love that project i uh i wish we had gotten to do more of that um alpha kind of kind of had its own uh struggles at that point but we were prepping season two and season two was going to be absolutely bananas so uh maybe someday maybe hey, someday it'll come and if back not, maybe we'll get the thrashtopia comic book yeah dude that would be rad that would be super rad oh, i yeah. uh we pitched a bunch of different stuff and it was all kind of like yeah. hey what if we just don't care and just go just shoot the moon with everything um and so yeah that that project that project is near and dear oh i'm great so I'm i appreciate you. i appreciate that you enjoyed it cool man uh, and then the other thing that kind of popped up because I am a big Batman fan uh, was the Dark Knight Legacy short uh, movie that I guess the premise is that it takes place after the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. So my buddy Woody, um, 
we worked on a show a million years ago called Elevator um, for Break.com. That it, it was Woody's show, and I came in a little later and um, worked with him to kind of write some new episodes, and we kind of became friends after that. But uh, he he was friends with. I might be remembering this wrong, so don't quote me on all this, but his friend made the Bane mask okay. for Dark Knight Rises. And he's like, I'm going to have him make a Red Hood mask. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be really rad. And he's like, we should do something with it. And I was like, he, listen, write it and we'll do it. And so he did. And we did, essentially. And what it came down to was... Um, we had some really close friends of ours uh, at a company called Angel Valley that had a huge warehouse. And we were doing another show for Machinima called Game Over at the time. Um, and uh, it just worked into the scheduling of Game Over that we were able to shoot Dark Knight Legacy. But it's a, you know, it's a it's a fan film, but it's a pretty aggressive fan film. And <laughs> yeah. we, shot, we shot the whole thing in one day. Okay. And it was um, uh, Jan Michael Asada was my DP on it, who works with Mike Diva a lot. And I can't talk about it without giving him so much credit for the way it looks and it looking as good as it does, because it was a true labor, labor of love for him. And yeah. we went like something insane, like 27 hours into production. And the last shot of the... Um, the last sequence of the short where Chloe Dykstra comes in and yeah. we kind of introduce uh, Nightwing. The, the crew graciously were largely like we finished a short, but we wanted to do that, that sort of tag out. Yeah. And the crew was like, we're not staying any longer. <laughs> like it's been over a full day uh, shooting this. We're all going to go home. And I looked at Jan and I was like, you want to finish it? And he's like, yeah. So he lit that whole thing himself. Whoa. just him and I sat around and directed it and and me and him and the actors made that end happen and it's it, it, I, I, it, it looks incredible like I, I don't know how it looks as good as it does other than that guy's a genius and um, and yeah it, it, like super proud of that short it was very <laughs> like if we had more money in three days it would be a masterpiece, but right. what it is for what we were able to, what we had and what we were able to accomplish. I'm so massively proud of it. My wife, um, who is a makeup artist was pregnant with our son at the time okay. and did all the makeup for it, uh, while pregnant. Um, so it was a real, it was a real team effort, but what's amazing about that short is, um, you know, we did it for the Machinima International Film Festival. Um, Woody worked for uh, Machinima at the time, so he was like, it would be great if we just put it in the festival. And uh, it was it was a cool, fun thing. But what happened was we made that short, and I want to say less than a month later, I started working at DC Comics. But I didn't know that I was going to at that time. Right. So I'd made this short. It was out. It was kind of getting attention. And then I was at DC, and I'm like, anyone gonna be upset that i use their ip and it was one day like i think i had met jeff johns maybe once and that was it and i'm, I'm a huge infinite crisis fan was a huge jeff fan right um was really was really happy uh to get an opportunity to really kind of get to know him over the years but at that point i was just like fan and he rolled by like day three we were like shooting in the the headquarters and he rolled by and he stopped and he looked at me and he went, you did that dark night short. And I, and I literally like, cl like clinched full body clinch. Like, am I in trouble? Uh oh, Are you guys mad? And he goes, I was like, only if you like it. And he goes, Oh, that's pretty good. And he walked off and I was like full. I was so like, it was just such a wonderful yeah. kind of accolade. And I immediately texted Woody. Um, who's a big comic book fan himself. And I was like, Hey, Jeff approves of the short. And uh, so that was awesome. I mean, we ended up not being able, Woody had illusion, like he wanted to keep going and do it. And I'm like, I don't know if we're going to be able to do that. And ultimately Warner Brothers was like, hey, 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 that's enough. Like, it's great that you guys did a fan film, but it well, one can't of them, be a series. One of them is a fan film. The other, yeah, more than, one, <laughs> more than one. one. One's a TV show. 
Yeah, our warriors um, won like more than one, so. Right, but I mean, it it lives on. Like Machinima has sort of um, sunsetted, and they took everything down. But Woody actually re-uploaded the short, so it's still available. Yeah, but I um, watch it on Woody's channel. Yeah, so it, it's it's you know it, it it's a fun it's a really fun short. I think uh, you know me. I'm like a perfectionist. I can always see the problems, but um, yeah, when I look at it, I really do think about like that day and all that went into it, but. It's fun, man. Yeah, if you, if you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. Yeah, I'm gonna put a link on it on the notes for this show. Um, because you give you really give people what, and I, I won't spoil it, but you give people like all the stuff we might have missed in the. As much as I love the Nolan trilogy, if I had gotten some of the you know some of the characters that are involved in the short and stuff like that, like I would have lost my mind. But I understand why it didn't happen because that's not what Nolan was doing. Yeah, for uh, sure. I mean, it's a it's a um. It's a little bit of a hodgepodge because Woody wanted it to be an extension of the Nolanverse, and I wanted it to be Batman the Animated Series live action. So you'll see both of those things. Yeah. Oh, for sure, I can kind of crash into each other. Um, but uh, I really love um, action and stunts and fights and things like that, and, and have been. Um, you know, lucky enough to do a lot of that in my career. So that piece of it, we tried to we tried to make really cool. And so, like the fight sequences, we tried to make really rad. And and uh, I hope I hope we did that. Yeah. No. It's. I mean, I definitely enjoyed it. So I, I really want other people to just kind of. It's there. You're you're at home hanging out on YouTube all day. Let's you know watch something. It, it's seven minutes long, so it's not like it'll take a big part of your day. But it's it's fun enough to like bring you back to that time of like. Okay, not everything's a super connected universe. It's just like one film, and you know. Yeah, I mean, this is this is like Red Hood through the eyes of of mm -hmm. of two dudes who read, um, you know, uh, Battle for the Cow, and yeah. like really, we're <laughs> really like dialed in on that. So there is a there is an element of fandom that sort of takes over in that um, that I that I really love. You know, if you guys ever do work on a sequel and you bring in Asriel. I think you'll have everyone hooked. Yeah, I we when we kind of got when we kind of got shut down, we talked about doing Green Arrow for a minute, and then Arrow came out, <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, guess we shouldn't do Green Arrow. Yeah. Um, but uh, so yeah, Maury, who was under the hood. Yeah. Um, we were like, he could he could probably grow a good goatee. He could probably shoot a bow and arrow. <laughs> so. Uh, we were definitely discussing that, but it, it never manifested itself. Hey, if you watch season one, you know that Stephen Amell was not shooting those arrows. So, Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I've seen it firsthand, and uh, the CGI department is fantastic on that show. Yeah, they're really, they're really good. Um, well, I, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, yeah, this was I, great, man. Thank you for having me. Of course. Uh, I hope in the future, once the, you know more Creeper comes out, or even the other stuff, uh, maybe we can reconnect. But you want to tell us a little bit about, just kind of tell me again what the comics are that, that you're coming out with and that, that we should be expecting soon? Yeah, for sure. So Creeper One is available now on Comixology. Mm -hmm. um, Cave Club, Volume 1 and 2 will come out June and October. Um, Cave Club is our is Mattel's new prehistoric uh, line. It's, it's, a, it's a kind of a kid-focused five to eight um super fun kind of reimagining of uh, I, I called it a historically inaccurate representation of the stone age and um you know it's about that sort of we, we called it the dawn of kids where uh, parents are still kind of neanderthals mm -hmm. and the kids have started to kind of progress into um friends and like the first and all that and i really tried to write it as like prehistoric goonies in a way okay. so i it's definitely targeted at kids um but it's really fun, you know, kind of if you vibed on any of that Zoom and Ink stuff, um, Zoom in particular, uh, I, I think, you know, you really, really dig it. And so uh, that'll be available in June um, online and in Walmart uh, along with the toy. And oh, then cool. in uh, October, the second book will come out, which is uh, it, it, it focuses on the first sport. And so there's kind of a like, Quidditchy Harry Potter vibe to that one. Uh, it's really rad. And then Dust will come out from Scout Comics um, probably early next year. 
Great. Um, well, once again, Brett, thank you for your time. Uh, where can people find you and find the podcast that you're on and all that stuff? Yeah, man. The, the best place is um, on Twitter. I'm at Brett did this. And on Instagram, I'm just Brett register. But uh, the podcast is on the Valley cast on YouTube and on uh, the Valley cast thread on all major podcast uh, networks. Yeah, platforms, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, Brett did this on Twitter. Brett register on Instagram, and then if you already follow Steve Zaragoza, you already know all this. Yeah, and <laughs> if you if you uh, want to jump on, they're doing the leftovers right now with yep. the show that I had never seen, and I'm respecting the format and watching two at a time, and it's fucking killing me. Uh, Yep. So I look. I look That's the fun of it. It really is. Yeah. We all suffer together. Yeah. It, it definitely is a lot to process. So I don't know that I should watch more than two at a time. Yeah. I mean, especially right now in quarantine, but we're so, doing two episodes a week, and we are. I don't want to. I don't want to say this is a spoiler, but we are going to wrap leftovers just in time to pick up a show week to week that I'm really excited about. So we haven't announced what we're doing next yet, but. That's great. That's great. If you start if you start really analyzing a calendar, you might be able to figure it out. Okay. Well, it looks like I got some homework. Um, <laughs> once again, thanks to my guest, Bird Register. Go follow him online. Go check out the podcast in the comics. Uh, Creeper is the light. It's only two laws in comicsology, so like, it's such just you're getting your bang for your buck there. Um, and my name is Danny Martinez. You can reach me at Echo Spider on Twitter. You can reach the podcast at Next Issue Pod. So once again, thanks to our guest and uh, keep reading comic books. Thanks for joining us. You can find Next Issue on Twitter at Next Issue Pod, on Twitch at Next Issue, and on Facebook at Next Issue Podcast. You can find Clay on Twitter at Clay underscore Harrison, Kyle at Kylepedia, Adrian at Adrian underscore Harry, Daniel at Echo Spider, and Josh at Cosmosis. Hail Bebo.